Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Um, today is June 28th, 2021. This is episode... There must be an error here. It's episode 323? Yeah, yeah. Um, Scotty, I did a thing last week. Okay. Well, I I did a thing, and then I did another thing that made the first thing... What is it, my child? You can speak freely. Okay, so we recorded a podcast of yes. the Birds Eye of Birds Eye View last week. Uh, had Scott uh, had Scott I had Scott join me, Scott. Oh, but, but I was away on business. You were away away on business. No, away on business. I had Zach Wilt uh, of the Baltimore Sports Report and Baltimore Sports Today join us. Uh, he and I had a great conversation. It was really nice hanging out with him. And then, um, true to form, mm-hmm. I managed to screw up. Uh, the episode. Why can't Zach just sprinkle some of the magic Disney World dust on it and just make it all better? I don't know. But I have been able to unearth it, to to pull it out of the mess. Imagine the scene in The NeverEnding Story where the horse... Yeah! Oh, no, you're mean. Different, uh, different scene. Yeah, the swamp yeah. of ever... I've managed to pull the horse out of the nothing swamp. Okay. I'll clean it up. I'll get it done. I'm actually going to release it at some point this week, so... Uh, bonus, folks, two episodes of Bird's Eye View will come out this week. Nice. One is this one, uh, timely, uh, topical, relevant to what's going on. The second one will be uh, out of order, uh, slightly less timely, slightly less topical, and way lacking in Scott Magnus. Well, I mean, uh, like I said, I've got no issues uh, releasing episodes in uh, non-sequential order. Uh, we are like Huey Lewis and News. We're going to go back in time, as it were. <laughs> Yeah, so this is 323. Our next episode will be 322. Makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Makes perfect sense. Uh, on this week's show, uh, we're going to uh, you know talk about the various Kobayashi Maru, that is Orioles baseball. I'm very, very excited about this. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this week? All right, I'm polishing off what's left in the fridge. So, Scotty, I apologize. <clears throat> I'm starting my way uh, this evening with a Michelob Ultra, okay, a fine beverage, uh, and then I'll follow that up with uh, what's left of the six pack of Hazy Cannon from Heavy Seas, the uh, Hazy IPA offering from that fine, fine brewery. You, sir, what uh, what are you? I, what are you? I'm about? drinking a Marley Sour Ale. We've got a mango, orange, passion fruit, and strawberry in here. It's pretty much everything that Jake hates in I, a beer. I went to Hershey. Yeah. Uh, park this past weekend. So, some some trokes. <laughs> I wish we stopped at a, we stopped at a place called Rubber Soul. Okay, which should have been awesome based on the name. But red flag, red flag, red flag. I had a beverage called the Swatty Sipper. Beg your pardon. Uh, Swatty Sipper. Okay. It was Can you say uh, that six times fast. <laughs> not and and not without getting in trouble. Yeah. Um. It was a fruity goes. Okay. And uh, it was it was it was a fruity ghost. So it goes fruity is it, what you're telling it me. It did indeed. Yeah. Uh, um, well, uh, with that, uh, if you want to know what we are are drinking, you know, potentially last week, you know, check us out on our episodes in the next few days. Um, otherwise, you can check us out on Untapped. Um, I'm at M A G N eight six zero six. I'm at Jake E four zero two five. No matter what time it is. And with that, let's head on over into the medical wing. I don't wanna. You, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do the medical wing. I don't want to. We have to. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. 
All right. So, so Jake, why did you not want to go to the medical wing this week? Because it's going to make me sad. Okay. I don't want to talk about Freddie Galvis. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 look, you're right that it's um, it's disappointing is the best way to put it. Like you said, having a nice season, um, you know, but, you know, went down uh, on Sunday's game with a quad injury and, you know, being in Buffalo uh, and uh, having pretty much no locker room, they had to bring the cart out to basically get him to the tent, the tent. So you can't even go back into the locker room and, and tend it. You got to go to a tent and take care of it. Um, but yeah, it's... It, it's it's not great. Um, he's supposed to be out until at least August. Um, you know, I think you know it's going to be probably closer to mid to end of August. Maybe when uh, the forty man roster gets expanded as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bad scenario, all things considering. Um, you know, both for Freddie Galvis, but also just in in terms of what the Orioles infield now has to look like for the prolonged future. That's really the issue. Yeah, you don't right. care about Freddie Galvis. No, I mean, Fre- Freddie Galvis, don't, don't get me wrong, he's f- he's fun to watch, uh, but he is this year's Jonathan VR. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's this year's Hanser Alberto, meaning the, the competent infielder, and the hole he leaves behind is going to be filled with less competent infielders and less fun players to watch. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I agree with that of... It's going to be a muddled mess. It already was a muddled mess at second base and third base. Um, and now without shortstop there, it's going to be – it's going to get really messy really quick. You know who I, I know for a fact is available to play shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles? Who's that? Rio Ruiz. Um, he is available. <laughs> um, you know, Hanser Alberto probably could play it as well if we really want to go down that path. But, uh, but yeah, um, it's a shame. Um, and, you know, I, just think about a few weeks ago, you know, people talking about – you know, does Freddie Gavis have a role on this team going forward? You know, not just through the season as trade bait. Um, the answer this month is no. <laughs> the answer this month is no. He's not trade bait anymore. Um, but it opens up the possibility now saying, is he going to be part of the team potentially for 2022? You would think that with an injury such as this, that it opens up that ability for the Orioles to go sign him on the cheap again for 2022. Um, you know, get six months into the season or three to, three to four months into the season. Um, and then potentially trade him and then bring up someone from the minor leagues in order to fill his spot. Yeah, you know, I, I hadn't considered it, which is weird because that's exactly what we saw with our last shortstop. Right. But no, I, I think you're right. That, that is exactly the scenario that is likely to play out. I think it makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, even if the Orioles wanted to trade Freddie Galvis uh, this year at the trade deadline, I still feel like there would have been a decent option because, again, you don't really have anybody else. Um, could Elias gone out there and flipped him for maybe a number eight, number 10 prospect in someone's organization? Possibly. But I, I think this comes back down to Freddie Galvis is much more valuable to the Orioles than any other team at this given moment. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, knowing that he is so valuable you know, to the Orioles, I think is a good spot for him to be because, you know, he doesn't have any control over where he goes in a trade. Right. Uh, but it can only go up from here, right? From Baltimore. Absolutely. Um, you know, looking at some other names that popped up, obviously John Means, um, you know, that would kind of got a little more of a, a definitive number and date to it too. So just like we predicted, John's Means will be out until at least after the All-Star break, which, again, does not surprise us whatsoever. Well, it, it just asks the question. It begs the question, Scott. Who, then, is going to replace John Means from the Baltimore Orioles to pitch for the All-Star team? Um, well, that's obvious, and we're going to get to that later. But, 
you know, I think it has to be New Mike Wright because, you know, New Mike Wright could pitch to Trey Mancini in the, in the, in the Huron Derby. <laughs> I think you're being unfair not considering Stevie Wilkerson. Uh, but to say Steve Wilkerson, uh, would blow away any of the home run derby hitters. Uh, Otani, uh, watch out because Dr. Poo Poo is going to fling it up at you. Um, Bruce Zimmerman also dealing with a little bit of a vice of injury. Um, you know, this is a tough one too, because with John means out and, and Zimmerman not being able to pitch again, you are down another starting pitcher. So, um, the Orioles tonight are going into a bullpen game against the, against the Houston Astros. Um, and they're going to have to cobble it together till the all-star break in order to make this happen. So Zimmerman is forecast to come back July 6th. I certainly think it's going to be after the all-star break. Once again, um, it's going to be a ugly um, period of Orioles baseball for the next two weeks. Scott, you're going to have to wait until later in the week to find out what I had to say about Zach's, uh, Bruce Zimmerman last week. Uh, I bet it was positive. Maybe, 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 maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. We call that a uh, retroactive teaser. Yes. A past tease. Yeah. You need to go back to last week in order to listen to what we're releasing this week. You turn that radio back to 88 miles an hour. That's <laughs> oh, my goodness. Works. That's not how this works. Uh, anything else that we're missing in, in terms of the medical wing? Not really. No, no other big names there. You know, the, the Orioles, the, the injuries are piling up. Uh, and, you know, again, I think what we're seeing right now is the depth of the organization for Major League Ready Talent. Yeah, and there's not a much bunch. And again, I think if we even just look at Norfolk and how well they're doing, uh, Norfolk doesn't strike me as like that amazing. Um, it's just, it's, it's Bowie, DeMarvin, Aberdeen, or Bust at this point. So, um, we have, we have a, a team, and again, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but we have a team stocked full of prospects and not so much full of org soldiers that can come up and down. You mean quadruple A's? Yeah. 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 That's a good way to put it. All right. Let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitter. So, Jake, I have a question for you. I'm listening. Are we still doing nicknames? Mm, are we? When you say we, do you mean you and I, or do you mean... The Baltimoreans, I mean, R-I-P-I-P. I mean, uh, Sam and Alan Smith. Uh, are we still doing nicknames? Uh, JT uh, Guadzilla um, at Guadzilla, give him a follow. Um, he responds as follows: Chance the catcher, he will be missed. This, of course, is in relation to Chance Cisco being claimed off of waivers after being designated for assignment by the Baltimore Orioles by the New York Mets. Are you surprised that he got picked up? No, hmm. I'm not surprised whatsoever because. Everyone is looking for some kind of catching talent, even as a you know a backup catcher. Um, so it makes total sense to me that Chancisco was picked up. I always think of it though, like if you get DFA'd by this team, yeah, who is going to want you? Apparently, the Mets. Somebody the out there thinks that they can turn a reclamation project into something. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to last very long on the Mets. Is the best way to put it. Um, now, does he have options? No, he does not have op- he does not have options, and he also goes to arbitration uh, this fall as well, which is one of the reasons why the Orioles is like, well, we might as well cut bait now, open up a forty man roster slot because there's no way we're offering him arbitration right. going into the fall. Right. Yeah. So I mean, maybe he'll be back as a minor league free agent. Maybe, but again, I I'm not bothered by this move whatsoever. Um, besides the loss of chance to catcher, um, that's the only negative standpoint. Uh, of this whole move. Hey, he's no Henry Rudia. He is no Henry Rudia. All right, our next tweet comes to us from Dylan Atkinson, who tweets at Dylan T. Atkinson. 
I just saw someone suggest Michael Franco should play shortstop, and I think I may want to delete my Twitter account now. Oh, how can someone make that recommendation? I, I got to be honest. I didn't think I wanted to, but now I kind of want to see it just for the train wreck piece. I, 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 I kind of want it. Hey, Jake, I got a question for you. Hmm? What do you call a treat that you shouldn't have read on the internet? What do I call a tweet I shouldn't have read on the internet? I don't know what. You call it a, I really shouldn't have, you read it. <laughs> that's not okay <laughs> this cannot be a henry rudia joke baltimoreans uh tribute podcast it it can't it can't happen jake we literally had an orioles arrested development podcast for 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 many a year so i think we can do whatever we want on orioles twitter oh god take us to the next week <laughs> Uh, next week comes from Matt Kremnitzer. You can follow him at Matt Kremnitzer. Again, Matt Kremnitzer sponsors this week on the Twitters. <laughs> uh, good luck to Alexander Wells, who has his work cut out for him to make up for the harm Dan Clark has caused the Orioles fan base. And and I'm sorry, what's the relationship between these two? I'm, I'm not sure I'm picking up on that. Uh, let's just say this, there's shrimps on the Barbie. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. I, I, I can handle that. Yeah. I can handle that. Uh, let's. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to turn it back into a prison country. <laughs> <laughs> let's move right along let's move right along our next tweet comes to us from uh, all sorts of places let's stop at uh, Orioles on Masson at Masson Orioles Cedric Mullins has advanced to phase two of all-star voting um, I have to be honest I'm pleased okay but surprised uh, I am surprised as well um, he finished seventh in outfield voting um, so he he was the last on the cut I think he was the last on the cut. Okay, that does not surprise me. Um, but I'm still a little surprised. Like I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm. I mean, I understand the Orioles put forth a pretty decent sized push to get him on there, but I'm still a little surprised. Well, I did my part, Birdland. Where are you? Did you actually vote? I did. Wow, I did. I had my kid vote. Wow, with his email address. Congratulations! You just put him onto MLB's radar. <laughs> he is going to get a cease and desist letter any day now. He has express written permission to vote for Cedric. Mullins. But yeah, congratulations, Cedric Mullins, for making the next cut. Um, it's going to be interesting with outfielders. With you know, um, you know, Trout being out, um, Buxton actually it looks like he's going to be out for the All Star game as well. So that eliminates two of your starters right there. Um, so I mean. Before, I didn't think that Cedric Mullins was going to make it based off of how the numbers were looking, but... Now he's going to start in all three positions? No, but now that he's in that kind of set, range of seven, I have a feeling that he is going to be picked, is the best way to put it. Sure. Um, and he's, I, I think he's probably going to be the lone representative. I know Mancini has been selected for the Home Run Derby, but I don't think Mancini is going to get selected for the All-Star game, um, which is weird because like you always like, well, if you get selected for the Home Run Derby, you have to get selected for the All-Star game, but... I don't know if that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, you know, it's, it's good both ways. I mean, it's nice to know that Trey will, will be involved in some way, shape or form. Of course he deserves it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it, and I also think, you know, we'll see Cedric Mullins in the sixth inning of, you know, the game or whatever. But yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if someone had to go to Cedric Mullins and say, Hey, you can either, uh, go to your first all-star game ever, or we can send Trey. What are you going to do? Uh, I mean, it really kind of sets up Cedric in a no-win scenario, as it were. Um, so let's let's table that, think about that really quickly, and maybe come back and ponder a little bit about a few training scenarios that we potentially need to go through as Orioles fans.
All right, so we talked about it. We got about two weeks before the All-Star break. Um, and the Orioles, as we have talked out through the entire season, have been giving an uninspiring performance. 24 and 54 coming into tonight's game. 308 winning percentage. Can we just stop for a second? Yeah. The, the Baltimore Orioles are 24 and 54. Yeah. So you're telling me yeah. that if the Baltimore Orioles won the next 29 games straight, yes. they would still have a losing record. That is correct. If they went 29 and 0, they'd still have a losing record. That is correct. That seems <clears throat> that seems suboptimal. Yep. But still not the worst record in Major League Baseball. Mm. Huzzah. Um, you know, we we talked about the medical wing, and obviously, you know, there the injuries to John Means, Freddie Galvis now. Uh, it, it, until the All-Star break or even after, there hasn't been much left to cheer for as of recently. You know, far be it from Cedric Mullins, who we just talked about prior to this, you know, starting the break. Um, Cedric Mullins has been the only kind of bright spot. But even during the dark ages of Orioles baseball, there was at least two or three players that you could at least hang your hat on. I'm thinking to Mike Marcakis, uh, Brian Roberts. Even you go back to 2005 and you've got like Miguel Tejada and stuff like that too. So... I feel like the star power is, um, or at least the players that you can kind of get behind, are now at Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini, and and that's about it. Um, and there really isn't anybody else that you're like, oh yeah, I want to watch that guy play. Maybe Mountcastle, maybe, but it's it's few and far between at at this point. Um, and and this has led to a lot of Orioles Twitter. Um, kind of self exploding on itself. What? Uh, I, I imagine that, but I think this is much more so than we have seen in the past. And it's interesting. Um, it's almost like people have reached the breaking point. It's almost like people have been in their houses for 15 plus months <laughs> um, and they have literally typed as much as they can onto the internet. Um, but everyone is basically finger pointing and blaming and and asking, how do we get into this scenario uh, and, and asking these questions? Well, the, the thing is, <clears throat> and forgive me, I'm, I'm going to try to say this in a way that <clears throat> won't make people write nasty things on our reviews. I feel like this moment that we're experiencing in in Orioles baseball fandom is very much like current societal trends in the fact that the loudest and most obnoxious of the fan base has the the attention and is writing the narrative and it doesn't matter how so we're still talking about Dan Clark is what you're telling me. <laughs> it doesn't matter like how good points they're making if they're being jerks or or you know nasty to somebody else. It doesn't it doesn't matter like how much you you agree with them or not. I feel like Orioles Twitter is just like eating its children right now because everyone's so frustrated that they just want something that they can control or something that they can, you know, lash out at and it's totally misdirected. Agree. Uh, I agree. And like I said, it's more of just like saying, uh, it's like basically shouting and saying, I am really angry right now. It's like, uh, it's like Wilford Brimley coming out and saying, let me talk to you about diabetes. And it's just like, look, we know you've got diabetes, Wil- 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 Wilford Brimley. Like, you don't need to scream it at us. Like, we can just look at you and just know you got it. Okay. I, I get, I get being mad. I totally get it. But, uh, I guarantee that being mad about the fact that the Orioles are 30 games under 500 does not improve your enjoyment of Oriole baseball. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone has lost their mind in terms of this, you know, coming back and asking questions like, you know, is Michael Ice really doing the right thing? Why are we not promoting Jemai Jones? And again, we have certainly kind of, you know, poked fun at that of like, where's Jemai Jones? 
Well, here's the thing. Like, I want to see Jemai Jones. Right. I, I, I legitimately am looking forward to him being here. But he, he, he was a part that, that might have been useful that we got in a, in a trade. Right. And he's here now in the organization and everything that we hear about his tools sounds cool. Yep. And I'm looking forward to it. And we have crap right now. Right. And so I get all the logic, but I'm not mad. Right. About the fact that he's not here. Would I like to see him? Sure. Absolutely. Sure. But the thing is, is that, like, there are so many people that we wanted to see here in Baltimore, and then they come here, and then they suck. Absolutely. Right? Like, like uh, Janice is a really good example. Mickey Janice, uh, the, the yeah, kn- yeah, yeah. Knuckle- knuckleballer. knuckleballer. While he was down there, you know, throwing the ball that got caught on, on Twitter, everybody was like, oh, man, let's bring him up. It can't be any worse than what's going on. That'll be so much fun to watch. And he comes up, and he gets rocked and then he goes back to the miners. Yeah, and well, I, good thing we didn't spill all the ink for Janice. Right. I, I for Janny. I, I think this comes back to the basis of where in you're in these kind of scenarios, you want to do something. Mm-hmm. You just want to, you know, do something to try to make a difference, to make a, a little bit of an impact and it's not so much of thinking like, well, by making this one move, you're going to go from being a 308 winning percentage team to, you know, an uh, to a playoff or a world championship team, but it's just like just do something is the best way to describe it. But the problem with this kind of notion is it enters into uh, classic Kobayashi Maru territory, in my opinion. Um, and those non-geeks out there, the Kobayashi Maru is this training exercise within Star Trek where um, there's this primary goal within the exercise to rescue a civilian ship named the Kobayashi Maru um, in a simulated battle with the Klingons. Uh, there's also some aspects, too, where it's kind of adapted to include the Romulans. If you really want to geek out, we can talk about it. Also, turning to Jovial J, we'll be talking to him in the future. I, I am, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay silent on on uh, Kobe Ashimaru. Please continue. Although I, I think it is hysterical. Yes, that you were explaining this to me. But go, yes. go, go forward. Sir. So anyway, to put in perspective, in terms of the Kobe Ashimaru, you've got this disabled ship in the Klingon neutral zone. Um, a Starfleet ship enters the zone, uh, and, and it would cause an interstellar boater incident, um, or um, you can basically say. Um, I can go in or I can stay out and you've got to basically make this determination. But if you enter into the zone, um, you basically, you know, assure your own certain destruction, Sure, your ship is going to get destroyed. Um, your crew is going to get destroyed. Um, in, in essence, it, it guarantees you a, a no chance of winning, escaping, negotiating or surviving. So it's a no win scenario. Famously, it is the no win scenario. Correct. Right? It's, it's it, a famous it, no win. It tests your ability to handle failure. Right. And that I think is the most interesting thing about the about this scenario that you've laid out. We as Oriole fans This is a no win scenario for this kind of talk as well. So <laughs> we are being forced to handle failure. Right. And I would I would argue that we collectively yep. are handling it poorly. Oh, we are absolutely <laughs> handling poorly and again if we go back to star trek 2 and we look at wrath of khan um you know we've we've got you know leonard nimoy conducting the exercise uh and we have um you know you know james t kirk talking about it uh at the very end of star trek 2 and he's like it's a measure of character and and so far you're absolutely right if we take a look at the character of the given scenario Oriole's twitter has failed immeasurably also, if you do not like the fact that we are talking about Star Trek Two on an Orioles podcast, it's not our fault. Not our fault. If the product was better on the field. That's right. So let's talk about that. Yep. The product on the field. The key argument, I think, that we are hearing yep. on one side of this debate is that the Orioles should put a, should have yep. in the past tense yep. and should in the present put a better product on the field, and that Mike Elias's job is not just to rebuild right. and, and and build toward the future. 
but to in the meantime put a serviceable watchable uh product on the field yeah it's it's the argument that well i want to be entertained entertain me and put a product out there to entertain me so i have to be honest i i I think there's a lot of merit to this argument i i do i think it's a lot of merit to this argument and and i think that it goes beyond i you know i want to see winner or or i want to see less losing i think there are probably dollars and cents involved about retaining fans sure particularly like of our kids age yep right so there there is a gamble there yep you don't put a, a a viable product on the field you have the opportunity to lose fans, you know, particularly in Howard and Arundel counties. Sure. You know, Frederick, now yep. that, that the, the keys are gone. Um, but I do ask this question. Sure. How much land does a man need? And, and my, what I mean by that is what is good enough while we rebuild? Okay. The Orioles may win 50 to 55 games this season. Is that unacceptable? Okay. Well, what's acceptable? Is it 65? Is it 70 wins? Like what is good enough to be? Uh, a, a better product on the field, and how is the GM supposed to know that at the beginning? Yeah, so I can answer your question in regards to how much land I I need to have. Uh, in regards to the amount of land that I need to have, I need it to be so that the sun never sets on the Orioles' empire. It's an old Russian story. <laughs> we have we have dorked beyond beyond Google. How much land does a man need? It's fine. Anyway, the the, the question though is. You know, how are we supposed to know? And and you and I expressed frustration when they got rid of VR because they didn't want to pay him $10 million. Sure. And we, and we said, like, hey, what's $10 million right. to have somebody that we can watch? And then we had the same conversation when they got rid of Alberto, uh, Alberto uh, uh, Hanser Alberto because they didn't want to pay him what he was due. Um, and I, I get the argument. I absolutely get the argument. What I, what I will say is that I am less interested in us being good at putting a 70 win ball club together yep. than I am the future part. And I don't know. And I don't know if I'm making excuses for the team. I don't know if I'm rationalizing. I don't know if this is a problem with me, but I don't know what COVID has done to the finances of baseball and whether there's any kind of impact that Baltimore would have any kind of difficulty or inconvenience in putting together a 70 win team rather than a 55. And I just, I just don't care. I've lived through 14 years at a time of crap. Yes, this sucks, but I can see the horizon coming. And if it's, if it's a false bill of goods, well then shame on me for buying in. If it's a false bill of goods and it doesn't work, shame on the, on the organization for another long stretch of time. But I, I've bought into the point where I'm going to give them at least until the season after next before I grab my torch and my pitchfork. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying in, in this regard of like, um, you know, we have to give consideration to the impact that such a, you know, a fielding of a team does to this organization and also the fan base. I mean, we went through it for numerous years in their dark ages and still somehow managed to come out of it watching and doing a podcast. Um but I mean, I, I look at as well, like, um, you look at the Houston Astros. I think that's a great example of, um, you know, a team or even the San Diego Padres where you saw dwindling attendance for many a years. And then all of a sudden the team started winning again. And when the team started winning again, what happened? Attendance came back. Um, you know, the one thing I would also t- say too from the attendance basis is the girls did a really nice job in terms of fielding a really competitive team in 2012, 2013, and 2014. Attendance 
raised modestly, but it wasn't immensely different than fielding a 20 to $30 million team. So uh, again, as much as people want to, you know, see Camden Yards like it was in the early nineties and have it be fully packed and everything like that, it more than likely is not going to happen um, in most scenarios. Um, and I, I, I don't really see the benefit of going out there and just basically dropping money to it. It, it kind of comes back to the dark ages territory of let's go and throw eight to $10 million at a few relief pitchers um, because it'll marginally make our team better, but it won't address the fundamental flaws of the entire team. And again, I want to be very careful to say I, I see the logic and I and I get the argument of the job of the club is to put a, a watchable team on the field. I 100% get that. I, I absolutely do. I do think, though, that that is a, a structural problem of baseball. Yeah. That you don't have in other leagues that have a floor and a ceiling. Right. Right. If we if we were required to put together a, a team just like everybody else. That would be different, but we don't. That's not Correct. baseball. It's not baseball. Uh, there's no even aspect of like a relegation style aspect of <laughs> like from a soccer standpoint. So <laughs> we're going to be double A until we get better. Yeah, but again, it, it could even just come back down to you've got you know your 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 high league within Major League Baseball, and you've got your low league. Maybe American League turns into a high league, National League turns into a low league. Um, that doesn't exist. So you know, I understand this wanting to do something. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it's kind of rearranging uh, chairs on the Titanic. It ultimately is not going to make a significant difference and or a statistically significant difference that will pay dividends out in terms of both a revenue basis and or um, a fan happiness basis. And, and I think, you know, you keep saying no win scenario. Yeah, absolutely. The team knows that they're tanking. Right. The team knows that they're they're risking making the fan base very unhappy right but i will say that the reason i feel like it's different this time than the last time is that they were trying last time right and it was unwatchable absolutely and there was no hope and you just kept on like okay like that doesn't look great but maybe something will happen um so yeah definitely not a great situation let's go to number two uh, which i considered to be another kind of there's multiple Kobayashi Maru. Are, are you telling me that there are multiple ships in the neutral zone? Uh, no, this is in a different neutral zone. It's a convoy of Kobayashi Maru? A convoy of Kobayashi Marus. Uh, there was an article posted by Dan Connolly today on The Athletic uh, indicating that, you know, asking the question, should the Orioles trade Trey Mancini? You know, obviously Trey is one of the better candidates out there right now on the Orioles team you would think some playoff team would potentially be interested in him. Um, but it kind of left, you know, at least a bad taste in your mouth. I remember actually sitting down and talking to Javi Burns uh, about this on uh, opening day. And he's just like, well, who are they going to trade? And I was like, well, they could trade Trey. And he's like, you're going to trade the guy that just beat cancer? And I'm like, well, on a business perspective, yes. Like, you're going to trade the guy that has cancer. Um, but at that same point, um, it makes a lot of sense to do it for the organization because you're going to get back. We're not going to call you a great prospect, but you're going to get back some decent prospects. Um, but you are trading the guy that beat cancer um, and has been really adamant about kind of going out into the community and, and trying to you know pitch the message. So I feel like this is another Kobayashi Maru where you're literally in a, in a matter of like, well, it's probably the right decision to make, but how do we do this? <laughs> yeah. And, and this one, and again, like I get, 
I get the argument of, hey, he's one of the better assets we have. This isn't about the here and now. It's about the future. Let's go out and get I, I get all those things. But you can't. You cannot trade Trey Mancini. Because, so, so you're Sulu is what you're telling me. Yeah, because <laughs> as, I'm Kirk. I'm just like, fire. <laughs> as, as, as terrible as this team is, as unwatchable as it is, you can't get rid of, of the guy that beat cancer. You can't get rid of one of the more likable. I mean, forget that. For, yeah. Forget the, if you can, forget the fact that he beat cancer. He is still one of the We're most. We're going to isolate in- that part of the episode out and just replay it constantly. But <laughs> he's one of the more likable players that Absolutely. we've had for a long time. And, and in this rebuild, um, I just don't think that what we'll get from him is going to be the difference maker, right? right? That won't tip a tip the scales. Right. Um, you know, whether or not DL Hall and Grayson Rodriguez work, right. That's going to matter. Yeah. The, you know, tier seven prospect we get back for Trey Mancini, not a big deal for that. Let's watch him mash home runs and, you know, make us feel all the feels. Is there any prospect or prospect level that would make you say, um, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Jemai Jones. Jemai Jones. <laughs> no, I, um, thought you, I thought you were going to say Wander Franco, Franco for a second there. Here's nothing. And again, that goes completely counter to my last argument. Right. And I admit it. Yes. But uh, this, to me. This is a no-win scenario for you. This is a no-win scenario. And I say, keep him. Okay. So you are basically avoiding going. This is me sitting on the outside of the you're neutral zone. You're sitting on the outside of the neutral zone while everyone is looking and saying, let them die. Yeah, let them die. Okay. Tell the cancer guy, let him die. I mean, don't you feel like, uh, you know, trading trail away, though, to like a contending team and saying, hey, we want you to go out there and try to win in a playoffs and get a ring is worth it, though? I don't. I don't. So I I think. So you want him to live in misery and be like. (laughs) No, I I want him to win here. Okay. I do. So you you want to Nick Marquez him? Yes. 100%. So you want. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Can you imagine (laughs) the scoreboard smile from Trey Mancini? Think about how you felt. Yes. When they won in 2014. Yep. AL East champions, Nick Marquez looks up and grins at that scoreboard. You didn't even get to see that live in person. And and the chills. She's like, I can't you, believe I'm here. That you felt, right? Now, hey, make that. Hey, ni- thanks for what you do here, okay? <laughs> make that Trey Mancini. Okay. Oh, my. Those are some serious feels. So there isn't a prospect. That we're willing to accept, except for Trey Mancini. He's untradeable. No, he already got Jamai Jones. So he's Michael Givens, is what you're telling me. Yes. So I, I, I get this argument, and I understand completely where you're at. Um, and like I said, I think it's a, a no-win scenario specifically of, I think it's probably the right thing to do to trade trade Mancini. Um, but the fan backlash oh, man. would be, I can't even imagine. Like, you think we're at pitchforks now? Oh my gosh! It would be the warehouse would be on fire. It would be absolutely a disaster from a PR standpoint. Um, it would have to be. It would have to be like a top fifty prospect in order to make it happen. There's just no, and I love, and there's, and there's no way. I love Trey, but there's yeah, no way. There's no way. But that would have to be the value that you would have to get back in order to do it. I mean, me from Elias would be like, yeah, it's an equal deal. But I don't want to deal with the S storm <laughs> that comes out of it. Like, yeah, I, I I agree. It's 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 still a no win scenario for me though. On the that peasants basis. are at the gate. Yeah. I can't make the deal. Right. Um, let's go to the last uh, Kobayashi Maru, which is um, people coming back and saying the Orioles should really start to promote their top talent in positions that they don't have um, availability. So like people have started to 
asked the question, hey, if Adley Rutschman is doing so well in Bowie right now, um, what would it hurt us to bring him up uh, right now closer to, you know, July, maybe after the All-Star break, and start getting his feet wet, as it were, in terms of um, getting used to Major League Baseball talent and stuff like that? Yeah. <clears throat> so I get that. Right. We we want we all we, we all want see that him. again. We, we we all want that. And, you know, it is it, soon enough. It will be happening is the best way to put it. We, we want to see we want to see him. Right. And we all remember waiting for Matt Weeders. Yep. Right. We all remember when he came up and, and when I my memory anyway is that when he came up, you know, he was ready to be a major league baseball yes. player. Right. I mean, you know, he may have had his, his ups and downs that first couple of weeks, but he. He was major league ready, right? Yeah, he, he had was. enough of a you know a, a, a college record, and then also just you know doing well enough in the minors. It's like, all right, we got to see what's going to go on. And I remember again the hype around it, not just because of Matt Weeders, but just again, you're finally starting to see one of your top mm-hmm. prospects graduate. Uh, and then this was before Manny coming up and everything like that. And it was all right. Let's see if we have something here, um, and if we're actually going to do this rebuild in the right way. And Matt definitely struggled for the first two or three weeks, but eventually got it together. Probably wasn't what people thought he was going to be, but was good enough, you know, put together with a few other players to make a significant difference. Yeah, no. And and the thing is, is that I don't know if Adley Rutschman is ready for the major leagues. Right. I would doubt that he is, but I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know because I'm sitting in a basement behind a microphone and not in a front office. Right. Right, and so I have to trust the fact that he'll be up. So we need to get when he's Mike Elias a microphone, yes, and some headphones, some decent ones, not some iPhones. Um, the the other standpoint is, and it's a tough um, scenario to kind of deal with, which is, you know, if he was promoted to Major League Baseball, does it actually help him? Right, and that's the other question I would raise: is yes, we as fans want it. We want to see the best talent out there. Kind of coming back to question number one. But does it happen? We have seen Bowie do extremely well um, in a very small sample size uh, through this year. And again, he is working with individuals such as, you know, Dia Hall, Grayson Rodriguez on a daily basis. Those guys are all kind of cheering for each other and stuff like that. Why not institute that kind of camaraderie, as it were, and then just bring everyone up in a wave all at once, as opposed to piecemeal? I I get being an armchair GM, I, I totally get it. I've, I've done it in multiple sports for as long as I've watched sports. But you have to either assume that there is a developmental plan for this organization that that Rutschman you know, has to meet certain milestones before he's ready to come up or that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I would argue that learning the job at the major league level is not the best thing for him. And so he'll be here when he's ready. Yeah. I think I think it's cl- I think he's close. Yeah. Right. I, I expect to see him next year. Yep. I expect to see him at the end of next year. Yeah. I mean, like I said, a lot of these topics that we're talking about, uh, I feel like it is falling into the bucket of um, not just, um, you know, a no win scenario, but also you're so close. You're 80 percent of the way there. You just have to give it a little bit more time again. As we learned from um, Star Trek when they were doing the Death Star run. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, we can't mix those two genres together? Aren't they basically the same? Uh, you're hurting me. You're hurting, <laughs> you're hurting everyone. It's it's almost there. Almost there. I, I, I get the anger. Yeah. 
and not just that you're mixing up metaphors. Um, I get, I get the anger, but the question is, what do you do with that passion? Right. Yes. It's super frustrating as a fan to watch a game. Uh, so the other night, uh, watch, watch the ball game, turn on the team, uh, turn on the TV. Yeah. We got to talk about this. What is wrong with you? <laughs> turn on the TV. The Orioles were down six to nothing. Yeah. Uh, Henry is with me and the Orioles had the bases loaded for them. Yep. Uh, with two outs and Henry said, Oh, one swing. We're right back in this game. And I said, Henry, buddy, I know how this film ends. Yeah. They're not going to score here. And sure enough, they did not score. And Henry looked at me and he goes, well, that's no fun. And I was like, hmm, he's right. He's right. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I get it. And then what you proceeded you to watch the rest of the game. Then I watched the whole game. Yeah. I I don't know. You have problems. I don't know why. Well, that's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> but so what do, what do you do with all that pent up energy? I, I get it. Watch, watching the Orioles get their brains beat in sucks. Every bit of it sucks. Yep. It's super frustrating. It's especially frustrating, I think, because, like you said, you you suspect that there's so much better on the horizon. Yep. That you think that 2021 is different than, say, 2010, right? Yeah. We think that this is a different type of deal, and we're almost there. But how do we get through this without, you know, Orioles fandom eating itself? Yeah. I don't know, but but I would I would beg you, chill, <laughs> chill, yeah, just chill out, uh, step away. Again, whatever you tweet or put out a podcast on, trust me. Um, after almost ten years, nothing good is going to come from it. I I, I do like, however, releasing in the past. Absolutely, releasing things in the past and then allowing them to happen in the future works out great. Um, but yeah, just, just calm down, you know, come back to like what Jake Mintz was talking about last, last time when we were on the podcast and talking about of like, it's okay to kind of check out and drift a little bit. Um, find something that makes you happy, find something in minor league baseball that makes you happy or a certain player and just, just deal with that for a little bit. Um, and just, you know, find your happy place. Sports are supposed to be fun. And if you can't draw joy from sports and you're an Orioles fan, <laughs> <laughs> if you can't draw joy, then what are you doing? It might not just be the baseball team's fault. Right. Yeah, exactly. You got to find something else in your life at that point. Um, that is not just Orioles baseball. Can I take a major tan tangent here? By all means. I, I mean, just this is complete 90 degrees. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. It's not even the show notes. Gotcha. I want to talk about watching the game. Okay. Uh, the games in uh, not Toronto. Okay. But in Buffalo. In Buffalo. So Salem Park. In Buffalo. I watched very carefully during that series yeah. because I'm interested. You know, the Blue Jays are playing in this minor league stadium that you got pressed into service because, um, you know, they, they, they didn't want to cross the border uh, all those times. But Salem Park is actually really interesting because it was um, it was designed by HOK, which is now uh, Populous. Uh, that is the same architectural firm that built Camden Yards. Yep. And it was the first, quote unquote, retro ballpark, right? And they took a lot of lessons that they learned from, uh, Cameron. I don't remember what it was called before it was Salem Park. Yeah. It's been renamed a couple times, but the, the stadium in Buffalo. And they brought that to, to building a stadium in, in, uh, Baltimore. So it was really interesting to watch this game with an eye toward, you know, pay attention to the differences between this and the major league experience. And it's cool because, 
Uh, the park has like a 16,000, 17,000 uh, capacity. It's built like right up against the highway. Yeah. Right? You can see the, the, the highway sign yep. from you can, the you field. You can probably literally hit the highway sign with a, a long enough fly ball. It feels like the generic um, video game minor league stadiums, yes. right? Like you would see an MLB the show. Um, and, and so like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking all this in. Uh, but I think it's really cool because, you know, we are complaining or whining about uh, the Orioles not doing well. And I, I totally get it. But to see the city of Buffalo get to experience Major League Baseball, which is something that they've been dying for. That's the reason that stadium was built in 1988, because they were trying to lure Major League Baseball to to Buffalo. Didn't work out. You know, they went to Florida. They went to Denver instead. OK, fine, whatever. But to see the city of Buffalo, even for a season, get to enjoy Major League Baseball is is kind of cool. Um, and so when the Orioles, I think they go back to Buffalo one more time. I think they go back one more time, right. yeah. So when the Orioles go back, do, do yourself a favor. Just look at the stadium. Look at, you know, the experience. Um, because one, you know, this is a town that lived without football for a generation. This is, this Buffalo is a city that is hungry for baseball. We get to see crappy baseball, and yep. that's unfortunate, but we get to see baseball. Yep. And I just talked to Zach last week or uh, later this week, depending on uh, your perspective, about, you know, rooting for the Orioles in abstentia. Yep. Um, and so, you know, just think about that as you as you watch, um, you know, Salem Park, the changes they've made to make it appropriate for, for Major League Baseball. Fun fact about Salem Park or whatever it was called uh, at the very beginning, the first hit in a minor league game in that ballpark was hit by none other than Jim Rebelay. Oh, there you go. Brother okay. of Orioles great Jeff, Jeff Rebelay in 1988. Well, there you have it. This ends my horrific segue into uh, Buffalo baseball. Well, thank you, Jake, for uh, confirming that what we all thought. Uh, the Orioles are moving to Buffalo. Uh, they'll be in the uh, in this you know retro stadium. It'll be, in essence, the new Camden Yards, since it was built by the same architects as Camden Yards. Um, and, uh, yeah, we will not have a baseball team in, in the upcoming few years. You're the worst. All right. Well, with that, um, let's go, uh, a few days into the future and, uh, or let's, the past or the past, uh, and let's figure out who won fantasy boss, uh, this past week. This is a good thing, right? It depends on whose side you're on. Whose side are you on, Scott? Uh, I'm not even sure anymore. I think you're on Mona's side. I think so, too. All right. So, listen. Uh, you won Fantasy Boss two weeks ago. Okay. So, that's why that music came up. Gotcha. Right. And and so, the contest had narrowed to five to four. So, okay. spoiler alert. Pause this. Go listen to last week's episode later on. Yeah. I think. Then come back. Okay. So, I'll tell you. Last week. Okay. In Scott's place, because of your win. Okay. Zach uh, chose the category of dongs. Okay. And he used the word dingers, but he meant dingers. He meant dongs. He meant dongs. Is this a Florida thing? I, I, look, he was a guest. Okay. Right. He was a guest, and I was going to be hospitable. The same with Senator Buffalo with responses like that. <sighs> so he used the word dingers. We're, we're going to call them dongs. Yeah. He went with dongs. So uh, I decided to go with Cedric Mullins. Mm-hmm. And Zach, on your behalf, mm-hmm. uh, took Ryan Mountcastle. Ooh, okay. Uh, and I got to be honest, I don't know who won. I, well, I think Mountcastle had a home run tonight, which I know doesn't count. But I guess I'll just go with Zach with the Mountcastle thing and say, yeah, that, that sounds good to me. Now, wait, Scott, 
in all fairness, yeah. you have every right to reject the results of that said decision. Are you or are you not going to go with um, Zach's choice? So in any in, in most instances I would reject it because uh, I'm more statistically inclined. I want to check the numbers. Um, but this year I've turned over a new leaf and I'm just going to go by the seat of my pants and just pick random things just like Jake English does every single year and wins fantasy balls. So I'm just going to go with the flow of it and just say, yeah, that sounds good enough. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, I can tell you <clears throat> that's a good decision. <laughs> All I right. Can, I can tell you that's a good decision because when it comes to home runs last week, yeah, two players hit home runs. Okay. Well, two Orioles hit home runs. Okay. One of them was not Cedric Mullins. Okay. And one of them was... Ryan Mountcastle. Yes. So as a score of one to nothing, uh, so, that means that... So there was only two home runs last week. Yeah. Okay. That means that you have now taken two weeks worth of Fantasy Boss, tied the score at five to five, and it is a dead heat. Things are getting uncomfortably tense here in SD Studios. Scotty, I, I can feel the excitement. Feel it. So we're all tied up. Uh, Jake, I'm going to go with a similar category of dongs, but I'm going to go with a question mark of who do you think is going to have more? So do the Orioles have more wins or does the combination of Trey Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, and Cedric Mullins have more dongs? Stop. I get to pick yes. first. Yes. And you're asking me yes. whether the Orioles are going to win games as a positive integer yes as a positive integer and that will be more yes than some of our good players yes hitting home runs yes because think about it what if, happens if it's a tie because this past week it, it would have been a tie no 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 <laughs> oh, ryan mountcastle got saying. one and we got our our week's worth of wins if it's a, if it's a tie it's a tie it just it washes well then i'm you're, you're asking which is more right yeah then i'm gonna take dongs okay so you're taking dongs dongs over wins absolutely okay I feel like this is easy, Scotty. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. The Orioles won the other day, and I was like, oh, well, that's their win for the week. Yeah. They're not going to hit 29 home runs in a row and come one. You never know. We'll see. All right. Dongs or wins? I'm going dongs. I'm going to point out that you fell into the classic Kobayashi Maru scenario here of applying reasonable statistical knowledge to a fantasy boss, which just goes to prove that the Orioles are probably going to have like one or two home runs on the week, but they're going to manage to win four or five games. And you're literally going to come back and be like, what just happened here? I've fallen for the classic blunder. <laughs> so oh, we will find nice. out who uh, who owns it this week. Will it be the dongs from Jake English or will it be the wins by the Baltimore Orioles? Uh, and with that, let's go ahead and figure out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this past week. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started this week. And my good is going to go to crap. I got to pick somebody. I'm going to go with Jorge Lopez. And uh, I will I will openly admit that I whined really hard about the officiating in his last start, which was atrocious, but not the reason that the Orioles lost. Yeah. Let, let's just be clear. But the reason I'm going with good for Jorge Lopez is because as <laughs> as starting pitchers go, 
he's doing the all rightest that we've got. He's the one that's going to go deepest into games. And in two starts, he went 11 innings. And that's as good as it gets for us. So Jorge Lopez would be, I think, on a good club, a borderline starting rotation option. And for the Orioles, that's great. That's great. So he was my good. Yeah, my my good's going to go to uh, Dylan Tate this week. Um, and, you know, I think it was really impressive to see him, um, you know, on, on Sunday pitching uh, in the upper 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if that continues on. Um, I know that was a big story today. Um, I think it's a really interesting scenario. Um, even, you know, over the you know past four games that he's pitched, 15.8K rate, 3.18 walks per nine. Um, you know, ERA is up a little bit at 3.18, but again, his FIP and, and XFIP is right around one. Um, so yeah, Dylan Tate is showing something right now. Let's see how consistent it is. Um, but that's, but that peak up in velocity is a really interesting thing to keep an eye on as we head into the all-star break. My bad for this week. I'm going to go with Mickey Janice and I talked about him earlier. It's not so much about his performance, although results were not so great yeah i think i'm more disappointed in the fact that i was looking forward to coming up from that knuckleball you know being fun to watch and yep. it just being a thing that happened every couple of days where we're like hey this game is in the crapper anyway let's watch some knuckleballs you know immediately gets sent down after you know 3.1 innings in one game uh, obviously you know too many walks gave up some runs and that's all good and fine i just with as much as much as i was looking forward to it being a fun thing it wasn't can we talk idiocy by the way in it, regards to this yeah. uh the fact that uh the umpires came out to check to see if he had foreign substances <laughs> uh like the whole point of putting a foreign substance on a whole ball is to basically achieve uh, a greater grip and in essence a greater spin velocity uh the exact opposite thing of what he is trying to achieve as a knuckleballer like what an absolute joke and a waste of time. I mean, it literally makes me want to just drop my glove, my hat on the glove. One second, take my belt off really quickly here. He's actually taking his belt off. Just threw Run, my belt folks. down. Run. That's to say. But yeah, just completely ridiculous, the whole situation with foreign substances checks right now. Your eyes just turned two different colors. About to say. <laughs> All right. Ugly. Um, no, you got to give me a bad. About to say, I just pulled out the That's ugly. <laughs> Uh, my, my bad was Trey this week. Just not a good week for him. Um, you know, posted a because you want to trade him, jerk face. I do an 080 uh, average, negative 53 rated runs created plus. I know he's going to bounce back, but it was, it was just a bad week for him overall. Sure, that's a lot. All right, my ugly for this week. Uh, there are so many candidates. This week, I'm going to go with uh, DJ Stewart. DJ Stewart uh, produced a 21 weighted runs created plus with a 41.2 K percentage. 41.2. That is. A lot ugly. Um, a zero isolated power, ISO, all while getting a 333 BABIP, which means, Scotty, that he was not unlikely or unlucky. He was just ugly. Yeah. Uh, my ugly for the week is going to have to go to Dean Kramer. Um, again, came out last week against Toronto, a third of an inning Buffalo. pitched. Uh, yeah, Buffalo, a third of an innings pitched, uh, six earned runs. Walk upon walk upon walk upon walk upon walk upon walk. Um, you know, obviously it was optioned back uh, to the miners afterwards. Um, and, and it sounded like as well that, you know, Hyde had mentioned, like, he's probably going to need to prolong stay down there just to get used to it. He's not ready for major league pitching at this given time. 
Um, and, and it starts to raise questions of like, okay, well, you know, we didn't really, we were expecting to see something from Dean Kramer this year. I mean, we actually expected him to break with the team coming out of spring training, uh, and that didn't happen. Um, so now it starts to get into this question of like, well, if Dean Kramer is not going to be in the back end of the rotation. Who is going to be in the back end of the rotation in the long-term piece? Because Kramer is at a young enough age where he is a piece going forward in the future. So now you have to start thinking along the lines of like, well, if Kramer is not going to turn into a fifth starter, where does he slot in in terms of a bullpen piece going forward? I, I will say that I'm, I'm not ready to give up on him as a starter. I think that any of these guys, though, any of these guys are valid bullpen arms, right? I, I think that the nice thing about what we're seeing from the Orioles right now is that when they fail as starters, they're going to be fine in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I would not, I don't know. I, 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 I think that the Kramer story is not over. I, and I agree with you. The one thing I want to say is obviously Kramer's performance um, was ugly. Like, it was an absolutely horrific experience. But I have to give him some credit of, you know, he came out right after that start, and his quote was, five walks, that's embarrassing on my part and for our team. That's unacceptable. That can't happen. Owning it, just like you expect to see uh, from, you know, someone in his position, really liked it. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I'm not willing to write it off. I think if anything 2021 has told us, can't write off anybody because the Orioles player development has done an amazing job in the past of getting people to understand how they're going to improve. But that being said, there does need to be a kind of a conversation of it's great that you've got some top prospects, but you've got to fill in the ranks. And I still think the Orioles are looking for who is going to be that fourth or fifth starter come 2023. And Kramer right now is not in that slot, nor is he at the lead position at this given point. I feel like next week we're wondering who's our one through five I, starter. I agree. <laughs> but I'm thinking more ahead like we were talking about before. So, but yeah, that was my my ugly for the week. Um, outside of that, let's go ahead and uh, blow the save and uh, we'll talk about a really important topic that is uh, that is bothering me. All right. So, Jake, we've got to talk about a serious topic here. We've got to talk about the All-Star Game, and we've got to talk about um, the issues with the All-Star Game uniforms. <laughs> okay. So have you seen the uniforms? I have not, but I'm Googling as we speak. All right, so we've got to talk about these All-Star Game uniforms because they are absolutely horrific uh, this year. Uh, in essence, you've got um, blue, navy blue jerseys, but they're like, supposed to be purplish, uh, and then they've got like an abbreviated lettering going across it, and then it's covering up the abbreviated lettering. Uh, and this is going to be worn during the actual All-Star game. So it's not going to be worn, worn during the Home Run Derby or festivities. This is going to be worn during the All-Star game. And a lot of people came out about it this week, specifically talking about there's a certain allure to the All-Star game of watching all the players go out there in their own team uniforms and represent their teams while playing it. And uh, that's not going to happen apparently this year. Um, per Major League Baseball, we're going to wear these uniforms during the All-Star game. So I'm I'm just looking at them now, and my jaw literally <laughs> hit the floor. So usually, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Yeah. usually during the uh, the festivities that are not the game, Yeah. The, during the uh, uh, Home Run Derby, whatever, they, they have like the, usually the host cities 
primary colors, right? Uh, national and an American with like a patch yeah, with yeah. their team logo. But then, like you just said, at the game itself, you wear absolutely, your home. and it's been that way for decades at this point. Sixties and seventies was the case, and everything like that too. So they're gonna wear these busted soccer kits. Yes, that's really. I mean, that's horrific. It's the it's the city uh, abbreviation, the city abbreviations, and with then the, the logo with the logo plastered right onto it. That's offensive. I cannot believe between the two of us, you were the one to bring this up, but that is awful. That's awful. Yeah. And and I'm looking at the American League. I, I guess that's the away jersey. They've got some sort of like blue. Yeah. I, like I said, the whole like thing. Floral pattern? What is that all about? Yeah. The whole thing is just uh, a, an abomination. Again, it it destroys a, a an apparel tradition um, that is unique uh, to Major League Baseball. I'm really hoping that Major League Baseball kind of retracts on this and, and goes back on it. But the f- <gasps> no, Scott. Yeah. The Orioles has the O's logo yes, over the O's BAL. Logo. Yes. No. <laughs> no. Forget I, what I said about I, being I reasonable. About I had forget to get it. I thought you had seen this before. <laughs> grab the pitchforks. Grab the torches. It is over. If there is a reason, Birdland, for us to get unruly at baseball, this is it. This cannot stand. I'm about to say, Jake definitely did not see this beforehand. I actually completely forgot that he did not see the, the Orioles jersey before. But you're absolutely right. It is the O's jersey uh, as, as well. And uh, it's the O's cap as well. That is being You've got to be kidding no. me. <laughs> I'm going to write such a strongly worded email to the... Different for a friend. I'm sure he's going to read that really closely. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, Jake, uh, you are a, a bona fide uh, certified uh, MLB uniform aficionado. I was. Um, I, I'm assuming you don't approve of this. No. Okay. A, a, and I guess that is our show. Yeah. Yeah. That's our show. As if anything matters anymore. <laughs> Remember that you can find this in our entire catalog of past, future, present, ugly episodes at birdsaviewbaltimore.com. Hey, Birds of View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others, please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. You can use social media to rage about all-star uniforms. Or you can do it to get social with us. You can email us and tell me how right I am about this opinion at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, TikTok. But the best way to get a hold of us and tell me how right my opinions about uniform aesthetics are, where we tweet at Bird's Eye View, B-A-M. Major League Baseball, let the Klingons win. <laughs> and with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'm so sorry that you're going to be represented by the worst <laughs> logo of all time. And I will bid you a fond, no, I will bid you a furious Adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Oh, and put an O on it. O's cap. Let's go <laughs> O's cap. Let's do that. Let's, let's do that in front of the entire league. Be- best logo in Major League Baseball. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> oh, oh. You're still here?
It's over. Go home. Go.